How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And does Locked On NBA. Hi, I'm David Locke, host of Locked On NBA, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have you found your favorite NBA team's daily podcast. It's on the Locked On Podcast Network. Tim and I, we're going to talk about a bunch of things. I hope you enjoy it. He's very bright and insightful on the NBA, so uh, that is the plan. Today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek has always been so super to the Locked On Podcast Network and to Locked On NBA. You can take advantage of SeatGeek as well. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app on your phone. Once you've done that, Go over to the settings tab, enter in the promo code LOCKED, and once you make your first purchase, they'll send you $20 back for whatever your first purchase is. Download the SeatGeek app, and what you'll find out is SeatGeek is super for a few reasons. Number one, they compile all of the tickets from all around town for you in one location, so they're convenient. None of this talking to multiple brokers, looking at multiple classified. Second thing is... Whether it's a concert, whether it's a game, whether it's a theater production, they will look at and give a a ticket score to every single event uh, and every single ticket at that event. So in case you want to go see U2 on May 20th at the Rose Bowl, oh my gosh, it would be incredible. You can look on it and you can see the various ticket scores of where the best price is and what's the best available for you and which tickets there's one. Somebody wants one ticket on that event. As I look at my SeatGeek app that is sitting there telling me that they want a huge, huge dollars and SeatGeek tells me that that is a low ticket score to not go pay $1,500 for GA row two. Thank you. I appreciate that. But they do tell me that maybe the ticket score ranking of 75 is the best I can get on this popular event. So check it out. And then finally, it's all secure and it's on your phone. SeatGeek's the way to get it done. Make sure it's done easily. Make sure it's done well. Make sure it's done safely. It's all at SeatGeek. Download the app. Enter in the promo code LOCKED and you have got yourself a $20 rebate. All right, Tim and I get rolling. I want to have another fun sponsor coming up for you later in the program. We appreciate them as well. So like now, here is my conversation with national NBA writer for the Washington Post, Tim Bontemps. First off, you're in San Francisco? You're in San Francisco. How was yeah. it? It's been interesting. It's been very interesting. Uh, as I was just telling you before, as a, an East Coast guy, born and raised on a farm in the middle of nowhere, living, uh, living in San Francisco and, you know, being a 30-second drive from the Golden Gate Bridge is a weird feeling. So most people that grow up in the East, including my father, so I'm not being too critical here, <laughs> come West and see the light and rarely go back. I mean, I, we'll see where I'm going to be next year. I'm still figuring that out. Uh, 
but it, it's been it's definitely been an interesting experience, and I, I can see why people uh, why people feel that way. It's it's weird for me. Like I'm a New York, I've been in New York for ten years, so being on West Coast time has been a big adjustment, and um, you know, just living out here has been a big adjustment for me because I've only ever been Eastern Time Zone Northeast guy. So uh, it's been interesting, but obviously. You know, Golden State was a huge story, and it's been a fun year. And uh, you know, now I get to watch you know series like Warriors Jazz, which is pretty good. All right, we'll get into Warriors Jazz. We'll get into some of the other series. Go big picture for a second. As a national NBA guy, right. always kind of kind of looking at the league. If you're commissioner, what were some of the, what would be some of the number one agenda items you'd put on that you'd address? I mean, I think the first thing that they need to do is they need to do something about these three point shot fouls um you know I, I know a lot of our friends in the, the basketball media are in a rush to change the schedule i i'm not uh i think a lot of the stuff they've done with that is good but you you look at you look at just the preponderance of these three shot fouls you know especially in that rockets you know the rockets uh thunder series now in the rockets Spurs series i mean it's just it's just gotten to be a comical exercise to have these guys just coming over half court and just flinging the ball at the basket and just trying to draw fouls. Like I'm all for, I'm all for guys drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line. It's an important part of the game, but to have it get to the point now where um, it's just making a mockery of these, you know, and even, even these pump fake shooting fouls and guys like getting a guy in the air and then just flinging themselves into him, flinging the ball at the basket. Like I, I don't, I don't know exactly what the fix is, but I think the NBA needs to come up with something that isn't just making the sport look like a mockery. Like, it, it really has been, I think, for a lot of these playoffs. I love somebody, somebody said to me that it's, it's, we should have the, I think they call it the Y rule, which is if you did it at the Y, someone would punch you in the face. And so if that's the way, like, if you were playing yeah. pickup with the boys or the girls and you dove into someone yeah. and called foul, they'd call you yes. a bunch of things we can't yes. say. If you stopped on the top of a pick, threw up, go, I get three free throws, someone will punch you in the face. Yeah. So if those things happen, then those yeah. should be out of the game. I agree. I mean, did you were, were you watch, did you watch Rockets first last night? I did not. Okay, so there was a play, I want to say it was late in the second quarter, might have been in the third quarter, when James Harden came over half court, got about three feet over half court, flung himself into Patty Mills, who had his hands up in the air, just like standing with his hands up in the air, like playing regular defense, flung the ball at the rim and got a three-shot foul. And as they cut to the commercial break, they cut to Popovich standing on the sideline screaming what the bleep at the ref after seeing the replay. And I tweeted after that that Popovich's reaction to that play is what anybody in a pickup game would say if somebody tried to call a foul on that. And I, think, I agree with you. I think that there needs to be – the competition committee this summer needs to look at this and come up with some kind of common sense – Solution because this goes back to Chris Paul jacking up threes from 70 feet away and intentional fouls. And like, it, it, there's something needs to be done to change this because it, it, it is just getting to the point where it's just silly um, how this is being played out. Like, I mean, look, if you get fouled on a three point shot, okay, you should get three shots. But this stuff where people are like cheating on screens to stop and fling themselves into guys and stuff, that, there's got to be some way to make this reasonable that it isn't just turning into guys hunting for fouls every trip down the court. See, I'm going to go bigger picture here. Uh, this wasn't necessarily where I intended to go, but I, right. it was a conversation I've actually wanted to have with someone. Sure. I was planning to do it in the offseason. It's going to become my Tom Haberstro hashtag NBA rest. <laughs> so we started this game in the NBA uh-huh. some 75 years ago, and we had these officials, and the game is a little, little – I'm, I'm blowing the whole thing up. Oh, okay. So – 
the game's a little different. Kevin Pelton is the four ref guy, which I, I think makes a lot of sense. But I, I don't mean to cut you off. Where are you going? So George Mikan's game is a little different than what we're watching now. <laughs> Slightly. What, what drives me crazy as a play-by-play announcer, and I have a hard enough time keeping up with the speed of the game sure. as the announcer, is when I watch, and I have a specific here, and I'm not trying to criticize Eric Lewis, but I remember a game specifically. Eric Lewis is sprinting. This dude, Eric Lewis, is in as good a shape as any official in the league. He is sprinting full speed trying to make a call. It's impossible. Yeah. I actually think we should go either to, if we want to go four, then I'm going to eight, or I'm going to six, and I'm not asking him to change sides. I think part wow. of the problem is we haven't changed. The, let, me, let me back up to my thesis statement. Sure, sure. My thesis is that the officiating in the league is terrible every single night, and the officials are good. Yes. And to me, if those two things are true, these are truly the best officials, then there's something fundamentally wrong with what we're asking the most talented officials in the world to do. And that, in my opinion, is one to ref 62 games a year and travel all road games. We're we're not asking our players to do that. Mm -hmm. And two is to ask them to play 48 minutes at full speed in a game where once we've opened up movement of the player and movement of the game and picked up the pace, it's impossible to ask these men to see what they're seeing at the speed they're moving yeah. and getting no break. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think a lot of these officials, and, and even with these three-shot fouls, I'm not blaming the officials for the calls they're making. They're making the correct call the way the rule is right now. I just think they need to change the rule. And I, I think you're right. A lot of people bag on the officials, and I tell all of them when they say that, go watch a college game and see some of the calls that are made in college games. And you'll... Like, I covered the NCAA tournament this year. I've done it a lot of times in the past. It's a great event, but you watch these games, and they're atrocious. The gameplay isn't good, and even worse than that, the calls are terrible. And, you know, I tell people, go look at those games and then see what the NBA has, and you'll see the difference. And I I agree with you. I think, you know, for all the talk that people have about the schedule, you mentioned Habistro's thing with NBA rest. I mean, there's, there's there's, there's a lot of people who are having smart thoughts about that. There aren't nearly enough people who've been on the KP train uh, like I mentioned before, that have, that have said that we need to change where the officials are. Now, I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to quite jump to doubling or tripling the number of arrests, which they'd have to do to, to do your plan right now. But I think it's hard to argue that if you had a, an official in each corner and you went back and forth like this and you're, you're going half the court, instead of having guys on a triangle and, like, running down and changing positions and running back and, like, having to go three-quarters or full court, it, 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 I think it's hard to argue that guys would be in better positions because we don't have to make, take as much ground up, and they'd probably be, in, they'd be definitely be in better position to make calls. So there's just more of them on the court. So I think that is something the NBA needs to look at, and um, I would be surprised if at some point, whether it's next season or in the future, they don't at least go to four officials because, like like you said, it, there really isn't any reason for them not to have so far. And I, I think with all the stuff they've done to try to improve officiating and to try to uh, give their officials the best chance to make as many right calls as they can. Because as you and I know, as much as fans like to claim that refs are out for certain teams, they just they don't they don't want to go home and know that they screwed up some main call in a major call in a game. So uh, I think that the NBA is going to look at stuff like that. And if at some point in the near future they switch to having four officials and start doing stuff like that, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. Because like you said, to me it's common sense. I just hope that the new commissioner uh, – I can't think of Byron's last name, the former Notre Dame football player. Spurwell. Spurwell, uh, who's in charge of all this. I just hope that they don't 
I, I always refer to this as some of the times I think the worst NBA coaching is when you make an adjustment, then you make another adjustment on an adjustment, another adjustment on an adjustment, another adjustment. I hope they don't do that. I hope they actually just sit down and say, wait a sec, let's look at our game. And, and what because the model is broken. And so be right. willing to change the model. All right, let's, um, let's go to the Warriors. Uh, as I prep every day for this series, they become better. Yeah. Like, I actually am not sure in the rotations they're using right now that they have a five, four-man grouping that is under plus 20 for 48 minutes. I, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're incredible. I mean, I've been saying since the start of the regular season, and really since the start of the preseason, if the Warriors are healthy throughout the playoffs, they're winning the championship for sure. There's nobody that can beat them. You look back to last year, the Warriors lost to the Cavs in seven games. They had Draymond Green get suspended for game five. They had Steph Curry not right after the first round of the playoffs, even though he was still good at times. Uh, they had Andrew Bogey get hurt in game five. They had Harrison Barnes go four for 32 on about 31 wide-open shots the last three games of the series. Uh, they had Andre Iguodala get blocked at the rim with under two minutes to go in game seven on one of the greatest defensive plays of all time. And then they had Kyrie Irving make one of the greatest shots of all time, this 28-foot contested three to win the game for them. Like, they had to have a preponderance of things go against them to even lose last year. The Cavs have gotten worse, even though they're still great. And the Warriors had Kevin Durant. So as long as they're healthy, they're, they're just going to roll everyone. I mean, you saw in the last round, they're playing, they play the Blazers. The Blazers have uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum go for 75 points in the first game, and it's really not that close. They're up 18 in the third quarter of game three, and the Warriors went by 15, I think, or 10. I mean, they're just... They're just so much better and deeper and versatile than everybody else that, I, I mean, it's boring. It's a boring take to have that, like, things should be wrapped up, but, like, they really should be wrapped up. And I, I just, to me, I, I don't see how they're going to lose to anybody if, if they stay healthy and don't have any significant issues between now and June. So the way we've tried to make it non-boring is how many games? <laughs> I mean, I, I would say if they lose more than – if they lose more than three, I'll be really surprised. If they lose more than two, I'll be surprised. In the whole, in the whole playoffs. Yeah. I mean, especially, like, I thought Utah was going to win a game in the series, um, coming into the series. Uh, George Hill being out tonight is a killer for, for Utah. Uh, as you know, they've been so much – you've been harping on that all season. When they have their, their starting five, they're really damn good. Um, you know, but Gobert is, Gobert is banged up with injuries, and George Hill's out, and – uh, it's just hard, you know. Favors is not look, you know, doesn't look great with his back. So I think it's gonna be tough for them to win a game, and you know they'll probably lose a game in the conference finals. And Cleveland will probably win once. They might win twice, but yeah, I mean it's it's just hard to see. Like I said, barring injury, because that could change everything. But like assuming Steph Curry's fine with his ankle and like things are okay, I just they just have too much firepower for anybody to stop. All right, we'll continue with Tim in a second. I really should actually have my wife. Uh, do this because my wife is not the easiest one to please and you can order flowers from a lot of different places. She always says thank you. Bloom That is the one place where I have received flowers and she's blown away by the level of quality, the beauty, and the handcrafted element of the flowers. I'm Bloom That. One of the reasons is because when you order from Bloom That, they actually don't put together any of the arrangements until the order comes in. So it actually is handcrafted in that fashion. Actually, here in San Francisco is where they do it. They're picked right as you order, so they last longer. They last 
long. They're beautifully put together, and it takes less than two minutes to order for you. Bloom that. I, I'm telling you, if you're going to do Mother's Day or just a thank you, which I'm doing this week with the amount of travel that's been added on to my wife, uh, bloomthat.com slash NBA. That's bloom, B-L-O-O-M-T-H-A-T slash NBA. You get absolutely free premium designer vase and caramel treats, which is a $25 value. Mother's Day is coming up, so you want to make sure that you take care of that. It'll take just two minutes to get your order in, and you have not, you are not too late. Bloom that, B-L-O-O-M-T-H-A-T dot com slash NBA. I'm telling you, you're going to be stunned by the quality that you receive and you'll be able to tell that it's handcrafted. You'll tell that it's fresh because it lasts longer. It's just terrific. My wife, who is, I love her dearly, not easily pleased on some things and not easily impressed on some of these items, uh, generally tells me, don't do that. Uh, Will is loves when she gets her bloom that uh, from me and Will this week because of the fact that I pushed her to the limit uh, with an extra six-day trip. She's rooting for the Jazz. She's happy, but there's a lot of there's a lot of kid stuff that suddenly has gone untaken for. Don't take her that she's not, if you're a Jazz fan, that she's not happy for the team. Bloomthat.com slash NBA, and you will be super impressed. Ethan Strauss wrote uh, on ESPN Magazine, the first inkling that maybe everything's not as perfectly harmonious as it's portrayed. How harmonious is it? I... I love Ethan, and I, that was an incredible story. We, he and I have kind of privately argued about this a lot this season. I, I think that there was never going to be perfect harmony when you bring together guys like that because they're both used to having everything they want, and um, they, they're both used to being the guy. Like, even in Oklahoma City, you know, there was always the Russ and KD stuff, but it was, Kevin, it was always Kevin's team at the end. And, uh, and Steph has obviously been the guy here, so... There's been some bumps in the road, and, and Ethan was Ethan was right in that if you look over the course of the season, there have been stretches where one guy has looked better than the other guy or one guy's played better than the other guy. Um, but I, I think that, to me, that partnership has gone as well as humanly possible, I think. Like, if you go back and look at what happened in Miami when LeBron and Wade and Chris Bosh came together, um, even though those guys were friendly, especially LeBron and Wade, there were all kinds of issues with sharing the ball and um, taking turns, and uh, they, you know they start out. Bosh nine. is still bitter today about it. Like, yeah, when he talks about it. Yeah, well, they start out nine and eight. There's talk about firing Eric Spolstra. They, they're trying to they they'll have to like rework their games to make it fit, like make things fit. Bosh had to learn how to shoot threes. All that stuff had to happen. So you you look at this team and they slotted in Durant basically in the Harrison Barnes role, just with the ball more. And you look at the way they're playing; they're really not doing anything different. Overall, I mean, they're, they're, they're running a little less pick and roll maybe than in the past, but mostly it's really mostly gone off without a hitch, and they didn't really care a lot during the regular season about wins, and they just kind of cruised to 67 wins anyway. Uh, you know, and I don't think it's shocking that when Durant was out, Steph went back to looking more like the guy he was last year because he had the ball all the time last year, and if you have Kevin Durant on your team, you're going to have it less. Um, so I think Ethan was right. I think that... You know, it, it hasn't been perfect, but I don't think anybody ever really should have expected it to be perfect. And I think it's as close to perfect as it could have been. And I, to me, I don't see any way that the way this year has gone, assuming they go through and win the championship as expected, I'd be stunned if somebody after this year goes, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Like I, 
That's I think my next I'm, question. Yeah, so I, any chance that either, they're both free agents? Yeah, I think. So I've any been, chance that Steph says, you know what, I'm going to go prove my value by building somebody else? I just can't see it. I mean, he can get this five-year designated player extension. He's going to get two hundred million, you know, two hundred and ten or twelve million dollars, whatever the number is. Um, he could he he lose like eighty million dollars. And and look, he's the guy here. Like, I mean, I know that, you know, I know him and Kevin. There's some they're, they're, you can make a real debate about who's the better player, but in terms of who's the guy here in the Bay Area, like, I mean, Steph Curry is the guy. And I, to me, his his wife loves it here. I, I can't see any way that he goes anywhere, and I can't see any way Kevin goes anywhere. Like, you don't go through what he did last year, this past year, to leave Oklahoma City, come here, go through all the stuff that's happened to get to this point. And then decide in two months to go elsewhere. Like he's been pretty public about the fact that he doesn't want to go through the whole thing he went through last year again. Uh, you know, I, I think the bigger question is: Does Kevin take a little less money so they can maybe keep a guy like Andre Iguodala? Um, I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but I think in terms of him and Steph, I, I would be stunned if either one of them really even remotely entertain going anywhere. I mean, Kevin, this can change always, but Kevin last week announced he's having a fantasy camp at the Warriors facility in September. So it would seem like unless you're really just trying to throw people off, you wouldn't even bother making an announcement like that unless you're planning on sticking around. I don't even feel like Kevin has a choice. Like Steph could decide he wants to go be his own man. So when Kevin, Kevin's made his bad at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's 100% right. And like I said, I, I think Ethan made a lot of really good points about how they've had to kind of take turns and there, are, there have been ups and downs. But I also think that anybody who kind of expected them to come in and play at one guy's his both guys having their best season of all time was probably not being realistic because it's just kind of impossible for that to really happen. I may be making this up in my mind. I was I was thinking back at covering the ninety. I'm getting old. Covering the ninety six ninety seven finals, and there was the period when Malone gets hot and he wins the MVP and Barkley prior. But there was never during that period of time. It was still the star that shined the brightest was always Michael, and we always recognized. Through all, but he's the greatest player. I used to go home every night just to make sure I watched the Bulls. With Westbrook and with Harden and with these Warriors, LeBron is actually exceeding anything that any player at this stage of his career has ever done. Not by a little. Like, it's astronomical. Yeah. Are we missing it? Uh, I think that's a complicated question. Uh, I think that if you ask people who the best player in the NBA is, they still say LeBron James. I still think it's LeBron James. I mean, like I always joke with people. I was actually just talking about it with Tony Jones and Aaron Falk before. Uh, if I have to pick one guy to be the first pick for my team in a game where my life is on the line right now, I'm still picking LeBron. Like you're not, you're not picking against LeBron at, unless you my have question to. Is, you have, would you give, how many picks, two through what, would you give the other group to make sure you kept make number sure you one? LeBron. Yeah, I mean, a, a few. I mean, he... You know, because he, he is remarkable. And I, 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 what, I, what I do think is true is that people, um, I think people for a long time have underrated his consistency. And the thing, that, the thing that's always stood out to me about LeBron, and, and why I think he might end up even being better than Jordan for me, uh, I already think he's the second best player of all time, and he might be better than Jordan if he keeps this up, is that it's, it's unbelievable how from the moment this guy has gotten in the league, you're talking 14 years, he's never gotten hurt, He's never had a dip in play. He's never had an issue off the court. 
I mean, the, the, the only thing people can really freak out about him is, oh, he had the decision in 2010, which is, I mean, a, a meaningless thing in the grand scheme of things. What's he donate, like, and he donated all the money to charity, right? Like, it's like even that. It's like he gave three or four million dollars to the Boys and Girls Club, right? Like, there, so, like, there's, there's literally nothing you can say about the guy off the court. There, and, and on the court, he's consistently dominant. I mean, you look this year, he averaged 27, 9, and 8 as a 32-year-old guy playing the second most. Over 40,000 NBA right. regular season minutes. And he played the second most minutes in the NBA this year, I think, uh, per game at least. Um, played 70-something games and, you know, carried a Cavs team that had a terrible defense and had guys in and out of the lineup. And he's just always there. And he's always putting up 38-8 and eight and is awesome and is a human freight train on the court. I mean, you know, obviously you mentioned Carl Malone before. People who haven't been in an arena with LeBron or stood next to LeBron like we have, LeBron is the same size as Carl Malone. He's Carl Malone who can dribble like a point guard and is the fastest guy on the court. Like, it's he, he is, I think he is one of, along with Wilt Chamberlain and Shaquille O'Neal, just three complete anomalies in the history of the sport. Well, those are three guys that athletically could do things nobody else could ever do in any era. Like, you drop Wilt in the NBA now, he still would be really good because he was a seven-foot guy who was a track star and could run as fast as anybody and could jump out of the gym at, you know, playing in the 60s. And I'm guessing he'd be good at social networking. Wilt would be, Wilt would be a, a <laughs> megastar now. But, I mean, you know, but, like, you look at early Shaq, like, people look at Shaq now on TNT and see this big guy, but he has a young guy who was a seven-foot monster who could sprint up and down the court. I mean, you saw him, you know, playing Sean Kemp and those guys in their primes. I mean, he was, I mean, just an absolute freak. So, um, so yeah, I, I think LeBron, I, I do think LeBron has gotten underrated at this point because even though I do think people recognize him as the best player in the league, I don't think anybody has ever given him enough credit for his durability and his consistency year over year to continue to be the dominant force in the league. And frankly, to be able to mentally withstand all of the pressure that's come with having that mantle on him since he was about 15 years old, I think is the most remarkable thing. Because how many child stars have we seen, even if they fade out and come back, I mean, how many guys have we seen been able to do this for this long and not have any dip. I mean, it's it's really just to me an absolutely incredible accomplishment. Actually, the interesting parallel is Lamar Odom was the other one that was built up like that, right? Like yep. truly, and both came from equally difficult backgrounds. Yep. And where Lamar Odom is and where LeBron yep. James are, but those were the two kind of Sports Illustrated cover next guys, and those are different paths. Yeah, and, and you know, people people forget now, especially like young Lamar Odom was unbelievable. Like, I've told people that I saw Ben Simmons play last year uh, at LSU, and I told people that I thought his ceiling is a sane Lamar Odom. And people like, oh, Lamar, like, what's that? And I was like, you don't understand. Like, Lamar was, like, guzzling Skittles and, like, had all these other off-the-court things and, like, was kind of a goofball personality. But, like, his talent as a 6'10 guy who could handle the ball and shoot it and uh, – could pass like a point guard. I mean, he he was an unbelievably talented player. And, like, I, you know, I think you're right. I think, like, Lamar had a great career. But even Lamar didn't live up to anywhere near what the expectation was for him. And Lamar has nothing to apologize for. He had an incredible NBA career, won multiple championships, was one of the best bench players of all time, like with those Laker teams. Like, he was an incredible player. But, you know, I, I think it speaks to 
the level that LeBron had to get to to reach what was supposed to be his ceiling, and he's exceeded it by a lot. I mean, it's really incredible. I hadn't heard the Ben Simmons Lamar him. That's terrific. That's a that's dead on. That's two six ten guy. On. I mean, I, that's I watched him play against Marquette at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and he had like thirty five. 14 and 8 assists, and he would have had 15 assists if anybody in his team could have made a shot last year. And uh, I, that was the first thing I thought of. Like, he's just a, he's, he's a, another 6'10 lefty who plays like a point guard. I mean, he's, you know, I, I, I think he's going to be great, assuming his, his foot comes back all right and he plays next year. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, as a guy who went to St. Bonaventure University and, and watched Lamar uh, in college at Rhode Island and, and knew about him coming up in New York, I mean, he's – he was an incredible talent, and, and, and like you said, I think it does sum up what LeBron has been able to do with all the expectations that are on him. Uh, one more LeBron. It was interesting. We, I've been working on this project for a long time. I took a listener to the podcast, uh, Richard Child, who put together this for me. But I'm trying to look at one of the things I was looking at was consistency of performance inside of a season. So one thing coaches have always told me over the years is, hey, if i got a guy who's averaging 16 points a game, I need him to get me 16. I can't have him give me 24-1 and 8 yes. the next, equal 32 divided by 2, because I'm 500 if so that's... It's a lot better to get 16 every game. Absolutely. So we actually went and ran the big... And it's hard to do this, because unless you're smarter than me, because guys like Kobe go drop 81, and then their standard deviation's really wide. So we went... He did this project, and this, the, of the top 30 scores in the NBA, I think is what he looked at, the guy who had the smallest standard deviation night in and night out is LeBron. Yep. It almost made you think... And we're seeing it in the playoffs that in the regular season, he just goes, gets his 28 and then moves on. And now we're suddenly seeing him drop 36, 38 in the playoffs. He, I, I now believe that if he had wanted to do exceed Harden, exceed Westbrook he, with ease every night, he just he's pacing himself to do it now. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, if LeBron wanted to score 38 a game, he probably could. I mean, he might only have two assists then. But like you said, like you look at his numbers every year and it's. 28, 8, and 8, 27, 8, and 8, 26, 8, and 8. Like, it's just the same rough, you know, 25 to 28 points a game and 6 to 8 assists and 6 to 8 rebounds over and over and over again. And it it, it just – it's dumbfounding to me. And I'm, I'm the same age as LeBron. Like, he, I think he's six weeks to the day younger than me. So, like, we – I graduated high school the same year as him. I watched him, like, at St. Vincent, St. Mary's in high school. Went through, you know, all the way through. It's been kind of the benchmark guy for me. And to see, to see him just continually – dominate at the level he has year after year after year and never get hurt. Like you see him last night, he's watching the Raptors game and he, he sprains his ankle. It looks like he tore twists his ankle, I should say. And, uh, you know, he hops around on it for 30 seconds and he ties his shoe and he walks the free throw line. It's like, he's, he's just, he's just like, he's like Wolverine. It feels like where he just can't get hurt. I mean, it, when you, when you put together the number of minutes he's played and the, the load he carries on every team he's on. And even though in the regular season now, he takes off a lot of the time on defense, when they need somebody to get guarded in the playoffs, he's doing it um, on top of everything else. I mean, it's it's just truly remarkable to watch. Uh, by the way, just a side note on that, the player of the highest variance, Anthony Davis, which I think is interesting. That's yeah, what's really fun because they're never as good as you think they should be, and you wonder if it's because you think about all those big nights, and we talk about how great he is because he always goes 40. Well, if he's averaging 27, every night he goes 40, he's giving, us, giving you a 16 well, and giving you a loss. He's going back to the locker room for a while, right? I mean, that's... You know, that's the other thing. Like, you look at a guy like Anthony, and he can't – like, he's giving you 60, 65 games a really good play. But if he's leaving five of them or ten of them and he's missing ten to- totally, you know, that's a different thing than if you're playing 38 minutes every game. You know, if you're Ty Lue and you could say, hey, I got LeBron on the court for 38 of the 240 minutes every night, probably going to be pretty good shape. All right, final thing for you, Tim. We have two – we have a month until we get to this Cleveland Warriors matchup where everyone's waiting for do you think we get a bunch of storylines in this next month? Do you think we 
the storyline is just the waiting to that moment? Do you see something developing? I'm sure something will happen. A lot of things might happen. I mean, you know, just look at the Warriors so far. The Warriors have played five games. Kevin Durant missed two of them with an injury. Steve Kerr's maybe out for the playoffs, certainly out for at least the last three games and tonight and probably for a while uh, because of his back issues. That's just with the Warriors. Uh, had Tony Parker ruptured his quad last night. It could be who knows how long he's out. Um, you have, you know, you have you have stuff going on all over the place. You know, all it takes is for one, you know, LeBron to somehow get hurt or, uh, you know, something to happen. Like Steph Curry tweaks his ankle in game one. What if Steph does it again in game two and misses three games? Like, there's always something that can happen. Um, so I'm sure we'll have some storylines come up. I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be twists and turns between now and then. But look, there's a reason everybody thought it was going to be Warriors Cavs back in October, and you know, at this point, we're this close to it. My hope is that everybody can get there healthy and we can have this rubber match. You know, it's amazing for all of the incredible rivalries that there have been in NBA history. It's never happened where you've had the two, same two teams playing the finals three years in a row. And, you know, it would be pretty neat to have LeBron go up against, you know, Steph and Durant in the finals. And, you know, it, it's the kind of series that you kind of look at it on paper and go, man, I'd really like to see this. And... You know, I think at this point, as close as we are, while there are probably going to be things that happen between now and then, I think it'll be disappointing for everybody as basketball fans to not get that matchup at this point and see how it plays out. It's kind of awesome right now, frankly. I'm on the wrong side of it and as the play-by-play announcer for the Jazz, but it's pretty awesome actually to see how good both these teams are right now, right? I mean, the, what the Cavaliers just did to Toronto the last two nights is yeah. just unreal. And, and Toronto was clearly the second-best team in the East in terms of being able to, to battle them, right? They, I thought they made two great trades at the deadline. They get Serge Ibaka. They get P.J. Tucker. They have all this depth and versatility. They can play big. They can play small. They've got defenders. They've got shooters everywhere, and it doesn't matter. I was totally convinced. That, I was totally convinced they're going to push Cleveland. Like, I, 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 thought, <laughs> I mean, I thought they were too, and, and I, that's why I, I, mean, I wrote about it this, for this morning. It's like you watch that game and you watch Cleveland just completely dismantle them. And it's like, again, you know, they're 30-4 and four against the East since 2015, since he got back to Cleveland. They've lost, they've lost one game at home. They're 17-1 and one at home in two-and-a-half playoffs. They've had five sweeps. They could have six sweeps by the end of the weekend. Like, it's, it's just amazing what he's done. And, and, yeah, it would be, you know, it, it, from a basketball perspective, as a basketball fan, you know, I'm, I'm – you know, neither of us, I mean, you obviously are, would like the, the Jazz to go far. I'm not a fan of anybody, but just as a, a basketball person who enjoys the sport, you know, it's hard not to look at those teams and go, man, how could you not want to see them play? I mean, it's, you know, I've been telling people for a while, I think the NBA right now is in as good a shape as it's maybe ever been. When you look at the depth of talent around the league, I mean, you look at a team like Utah, I mean, Rudy Gobert and... I mean, Gruder Gobert should have been an all-star. Gordon Hayward, you know, I know you were talking with Zach Lowe on his podcast last week about who's better between him and Jimmy Butler. I mean, those are two guys that are, you know, easily in the top 25 guys in the league, and they're playing in Utah. And you've got, you've got guys kind of all over the place. You've got Westbrook in Oklahoma City. You've got Harden in Houston. You've got, uh, you've got Lowry and DeRozan in Toronto. You've got John Wall and Bradley Beal in Washington. Like, you go around the league, and even though there might be two dominant teams, there's talent all over the place. And the games are fun every night. And even though there are some things that could be changed, like some of these foul calls and stuff, um, I think the, 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 the quality of play and the style of play is better than it's been maybe ever, certainly in a long time. So, you know, as a basketball fan, I, I think we're in a golden age of things, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to be part of it. And I agree with you, and we'll wrap on that. The next note on the commissioner discussions, because of that, I actually think it's time for expansion. We've gone a very, very long time without expansion, and, we have a, and we've had an international flux. We have, we have, we have plenty of 
two or four would actually work in this one. I vote two. Then Adam Silver can put in his little soccer tournaments that he wants to do. <laughs> and who knows where we go? Probably Mexico City and I don't know. Well, Seattle's getting a team for sure. I mean, if, if they if they expand, which I know is close to your heart, and I, I mean, uh, if, if there's expansion, which I, th- I agree with you, I think I've been saying it for a while. I think in the next five years there'll be expansion uh, at some point because there is just so much talent. And even though there are some people that will say, well, maybe it would dilute the money for the rest of the owners. If you say to the owners, hey, here's $2 billion, $2.5 billion, $3 billion for two teams for an expansion fee, and everybody's getting, whatever, $60 million in their pocket, they're taking the $60 million. So, you know, whether it is Mexico City or whatever, I think it'll be Seattle and somewhere else, Vegas, Louisville, somewhere. And uh, hopefully, you know, maybe Seattle and Vancouver come back. That would be great. Uh, Every beat writer's yeah, dream. It's, it's, trust me. As somebody who went to both cities for the first time this fall, uh, I would love for that. Um, but, yeah. I, Vancouver's I, like the best city in North America. It's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think. Sorry, San Francisco. Now, nah, listen, they're all, they're all great. But I, I think that, uh, I do think that will happen. And, yeah, it's, look, as, as basketball fans, it's, it's a great time to be part of the sport. And it's uh, be fun to see another good game tonight. Special thanks to Tim. Just terrific conversation. That was really fun. Uh, look forward to having him on again sometime later. Uh, really bright guy. Washington Post young writer. Superstar. Rising in the business. Uh, today's show was brought to you by Bloom That slash NBA. You get a free premium designer vase and caramel treats. A $25 value with your bloomthat.com. So make sure you uh, add that in to your uh, things for Mother's Day, or maybe you just want to send a thank you for someone along the way. That's bloomthat.com slash NBA. And SeatGeek with a promo code LOCKED. Gets you a $20 rebate. Thanks.